0: Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Love Life Connection podcast. I'm really excited to be here today and in your earbuds as always, as I am every week. And before we get started with today's show and introducing you to today's guest, which by the way, I'm so excited about is I have just two quick announcements. The first thing is, well, the first is a request to please take a moment to leave a rating or a review for this podcast, especially on iTunes. It really helps me to grow the show and to get the show into the earbuds of more women just like you. And it's what guarantees that I will continue making it. So please just scroll down on your podcast player, tap the stars. Once you get down like below where all the episodes are, or or it says like available episodes and most downloaded episodes, all that kind of stuff, or most popular episodes, keep scrolling down, click the stars. And if you have an extra 30 seconds, 60 seconds, I would be so grateful for a review. So thank you. Thank you so much for that time you put into it. The second thing is I'm so excited to let you know that I have created a brand new challenge just for you all. So I created the Date Yourself Challenge three years ago and thousands of women have gone through it and has really transformed the lives of many, 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 many women. And I wanted to do something in, around the holiday time for you all, but I didn't want to run the Date Yourself Challenge again because I like to keep it special by only running it about two, maybe three times a year. And so I thought I, th- I thought well I know a lot of women want to reach out to their ex or to you know call someone they quote-unquote shouldn't call around the holiday time because I know how easy it is to get lonely and it can be a really triggering time really for anybody but I think especially for single women it can definitely be um, it can be a difficult time so I created a get over your ex challenge and this will be the perfect thing for you to hold on to and to work through rather than the temptation of calling your ex or calling that person that you quote unquote know you shouldn't. And it's totally free, and it's going to be really fun, and we're going to do a lot of really deep and good work. So if you have been struggling to go an X, or if the only way you get over an X is by drinking some wine, watching some Netflix, and getting a new haircut or whatever, then you're going to love what we do in this challenge because we just we just get over your ex and look and approach that experience from a totally new place, so that you can really turn your breakup into a breakthrough. And I know that sounds super super cheesy, but I really do believe breakups as gut as they are, because trust me, I've been there, I know. But they're also a really incredible time for growth. And if you use them right, they really can be that opportunity to get to the next level so that you can attract a higher quality partner the next time you do go out and date or meet someone. So to join us for this totally free challenge, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash get over your ex. We start December 10th, but please don't delay in signing up one because I don't want you to forget. And two, the group will open early and there'll be lots of good stuff going on in the group as we prep for the challenge. So again, the link there is veronicagrant.com forward slash get over your ex and I will see you there. Okay, so on to my guest today, I'm not going to tell you too much about her because she's going to introduce herself, but I brought my friend Gemma onto the show. And I know Gemma for, I've known her for about a year or so, we're in the same mastermind together that I've talked a lot about on the show. And if you remember Norma, she was on the show about a month ago or so, a couple months ago, and she's also from my mastermind that I did this year. And so I just really wanted to bring Gemma and her work onto the show because we what she does in the world, I think is just so complimentary to the work that I do. And what she really does is helps women to cultivate telling their story and to gather with with each other in real life, hashtag IRL, and to really hone in on their creativity. And I think this is important for anyone to do, definitely not just single women by any stretch of the imagination. However, I'd find and I and I'm speaking from experience as well as from the experience that I see a lot of my clients go through, is that it's really easy to identify yourself as well, I'm a single woman. And so then my free time is dating. And that's what I do. And I know I spent many years like that. But the problem is that when you're living like that, you're not really, you're kind of living like in this 2D world. Um, it's not really who you are, right? Like you're not someone who just dates, right? Like, or you're not someone who just finds love, right? Like, of course, you you want that, but that's not who you are. It's not who anyone is. No one's identity is wrapped around like, you know, their tender experience or dating experience or their relationship status. And so a lot of the work that she does, I find, um, you know, creativity, telling your story, um, connecting with other women in actual real life, creating a community, I think really helps to deal with a lot of the loneliness that it's really easy and natural to feel if you're single, because we don't really live in a communal society anymore. We very much live in a couple centric society where people are either on their phones or or they're at home on their phones while they're watching Netflix. And so if you're doing that with someone else, then yeah, of course you can still feel lonely, but the illusion is that, well, if you're just living this life with someone else, then you wouldn't be lonely. And so it's very easy then from there to date from a place of desperation or like I need this person so I don't feel lonely. And when you're in that kind of place, it's very easy to develop some unhealthy relationships, certainly some codependency patterns. And that's not where anyone wants to be. And I certainly don't want you to be there either. So listen into my conversation with Gemma, because she's going to give you lots of ideas and lots of resources to um, start a sister story circle she's gonna talk about the importance of gathering with other women and telling stories, and also um, owning and identify or owning your creativity and really um, pursuing it doesn't matter if it you know, has a monetary thing or a business thing. It's just something that you want to do to help you feel, um, you know, Gemma describes it as bringing your life from 2D to 3D. So keep all of these things in mind as you listen into my conversation with Gemma and make sure you stay until the end because Gemma has met her, well, her now fiance not has, but she had, she has a fiance and she met him on tender, which I just love these stories because a lot of things, a lot of times when people come to me, they say, well, online dating this, online dating that. And if you've been listening to me for a while, then you know that it's not really online dating. That's the problem. It's really what we make it mean and our relationship to it. Um, if you want to be on tender, awesome. If you don't, that's awesome too, but know that tender isn't the problem. Tender isn't why you're single. So I just love hearing stories from women who have met their partner online, whether it's Match or OkCupid or Tender or whatever it is. So she's going to share that story with you all too at the end. So make sure you stick around to listen to that. All right, my dears, that is all I have for you. And we are going to get straight over to my conversation with Gemma and make sure you join us in the Get Over Your X Challenge as well. Hi, Gemma. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. I am
0: really excited that you're here and I can't wait for my audience, my women to get to know you and to meet you. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about
1: who you are and what you do in the world. Okay, great. So I'm, um, I'm based in the UK, and I've always been a documentary director by trade. So I've spent years and years and years making documentaries. And most recently, I've launched a project called Sister Stories, which is a community for women that allows women to tell their stories in safe spaces. So all of the work that I do has storytelling at its heart and the power of storytelling to connect and help us feel more compassion for ourselves, but also more compassion for those whose story was we hear. So it's a really reciprocal relationship that I try to um, draw out in the stories that I tell and stories that I enable people to tell. So it it's beautiful work that I love.
0: I love that. And um, I love the idea of storytelling. And this is <clears throat> something that's like somewhat new-ish to me, but although I feel like I've been doing it for a long time, I just haven't you know named it for what it is and, um, so I know like all the great things about it, but I would definitely love for our audience to know more about the great things about storytelling and listening to other people's stories. But before we get there, I just am kind of curious, um, how did you come up with the idea for Sister Stories?
1: It's really funny you ask me that because the version of the story that I tell always depends on the day that someone asks me it because like <laughs> any story, there's lots of different versions of how it came about. And there were loads of different um different influences to why I started it but one of the things that um, I'd noticed in my documentary work that I was I'd spent over 10 years inviting people into spaces where they could share their story and really be listened to and what I found was that every single individual that you encounter on the street if you give them enough space and really listen to them you'll find that they've got a story that will absolutely make your heart bleed and it's not you know it 's the majority of the population who 've really got something special to share, and that kind, that changed the way I saw humanity you know it it made me much more um, tolerant, it made me really understand what was going on with people beneath the surface and I was doing that where I was inviting people to do that on camera um, and it was you know it was a relatively small number of people I would interviewed hundreds of people over the years, but it was relatively small the people who had op- the opportunity to do that. So I became really curious about how I could create a similar space but in um, in my local community. So what I decided to do was to blend this traditional women's circle so inviting a group of women to come together in a really safe um, and slightly ritualistic space with storytelling so creating an atmosphere in which they could tell some tell share or tell something that either was very present for them in that moment or an old story that needed to be spoken aloud and to be honest I did it as a little experiment at first and just invited 10 women that I knew to come and do it in my living room in London and since then it's really taken off. There's a huge appetite for people to connect in this way and I think it's become as much about community as it has about sharing stories. I love that. Um, So what
0: I'm, you said something that I just want to expand on just for a moment. Cause I know a lot of the women probably listening to this podcast might be newer to the idea of women circling, um, or even just being in a room of women is just like a, not a safe environment can bring up triggers of getting bullied or clicks or things like that in high school or college. Um, so when you say that it's an old, it's an old thing that women have done, can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Which it makes me laugh a bit when you say that, because when I had the idea, I thought I'd invented it. I thought that the idea of sitting in a circle together was like a completely original thing. And then I realized that women have been gathering in this way for centuries and was like, oh, wow, it's not original at all. But um, I guess it's, it's in our DNA and our blood together like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a sort of, um, it can feel quite strange, actually, to the modern woman. And it certainly felt certainly felt a little bit strange to me because you you know you sit in a circle in a way that feels at once really natural but also there's there's sort of very gentle rules to it about how you share and how the circle runs and that it that touches on quite old rituals which feel alien but once you settle into them feel really really beautiful um it was really important to me that I offered it to women because until until I was about 30 I had this story that I was telling myself that I I'm only friends with men. I get men, I love being friends with men. All my all my friends are boys and I wish I had some female friendships but not very many. And as I got slightly older and you know just matured really, I realized how important it was to me to cultivate real free female friendships and trust with women so it's part of my own journey learning to gather with women and bring women together because it was something that was didn't feel natural to me at all at first. Was there a lot
0: of wounding there did you feel like you had to overcome some fears or some past wounds from female friendships?
1: I wouldn't say it was necessarily that it's just more that um Perhaps when I was growing up, I felt there was more of a need to perform around women and it was somehow safer for me to be friends with the boys. I didn't... um, I have always encountered myself as a very... Like, I never really encountered myself when I was younger as, like, an attractive woman, so I didn't worry about, about hanging around with boys, whereas I think some of my female counterparts were a bit more worried about how that would be construed and it just didn't even occur to me that they would ever see me in any sort of romantic or sexual way so I felt very comfortable in that space and there was just a lot less competition. I didn't feel any sense of competition so one of the rules that I'm really careful about when cultivating sister stories communities is that uh, a key value of coming together for us is that we value community over competition. It's so incredibly important that in that space where we're sharing you're being really supported and held and that there's not a hint of one-upmanship or worrying about how, what you say will be perceived.
0: I, I love that. And, and as someone who, you know, obviously we're in the mastermind together, we know each other outside this interview. <laughs> um, I was not shy about that with um, interviews or people come to my, my show, um, you know, but for me, I've been, and very much that journey of healing and, and the way you the way you actually just put that, like, wasn't so much like healing you had to do, but like, almost like, um, you felt like you had to perform around women. And so I, I can totally relate to that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so exhausting. Whereas like with guys, I could just be like, whatever. And like, this is me. <laughs> so of course I'd want to hang out with guys more than females. And that's really been shifting for me over the past, probably like, Oh, I don't know, year and a half. And for me, our mastermind has been, um, a really big part of that for me and I it's just it's just been amazing so I'm just so excited to share your work with my people because I think they're really gonna love it so talk to me a little bit about sister stories like how it works um what happens at a sister's um story circle and you know all that kind of good stuff
1: so when we gather in a sister stories um session or evening um There'll be about 10 or 12 women who gather in the space and we'll gather in a beautiful environment that's kind of lit by candles and smells beautiful and we'll sit on lovely cushions on the floor in a circle and it feels like, I like it to feel like you're coming into a really cool spa, (laughs) like just to feel super relaxing. You know, the women who come to mind that I run in London have often just worked a really long day in an office job and they're super stressed and super busy and they've been on the London Underground and really, you know arrive quite frazzled and I want them to feel so calm when they come in so we'll spend we'll sit in circle together and we'll have a little you know a little meditation or something to just help relax and then the format is so open where I'll invite people to give voice to the things that they feel like they need to give voice to and that can be anything so I found myself um saying in the circle a few weeks ago because I also share, um, I, I think it's also important that I join in the the sharing that happens in the space. I found myself saying to everyone, I really want a dog. I've just discovered that I really want a dog. So sometimes the things that people share are really deep personal stories that they need to be witnessed in and they really need to hit kind of get off their chest and have people listen to them. And other times we will be rolling around the floor laughing because someone shares something really um silly so it's a very very open format and there are no there are no particular rules other than one crucial one which I think is so important which is that we don't give each other advice Mm. so if you choose to share something you will not be given 10 different opinions on whether yes you should leave your husband or no he sounds fabulous Go with him you just get to say whatever's going on for you and be heard in doing that And that feels like a really precious opportunity in our modern world where you can, you can't leave the house without 10 people having an opinion on your life. I think it's really precious that um, there are opportunities for people to say what's going on for them and just be listened to.
0: Yeah. And what kind of stuff have you seen those women experience as a result of sharing their story or listening to other stories be shared?
1: I think, I mean, there's so many big, there's been some really, really, really big life shifts in the group since since in the last 18 months that I've been running it. So the group meets in a different, there's a different set of women who come each time, but often there are people who come back and back and back. So some people through coming regularly will, they'll radically transform their life. But I think the main thing that, that that everybody everybody talks about that is a real relief when they come is people realize that it's not just them who's got stuff going on, and everyone, no matter how you know how perfect they look on the outside or how beautiful they are or how great their hair is or how great their job is, everybody's got something going on underneath the surface, and it's not just you and I think that's such a relief to hear mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think the other thing that people talk about that's really important is they feel more connected in a really busy city and I'm just starting to expand the, the um, sister stories into different areas of the UK and abroad and I think that it's a real opportunity for real life connection because we we consume so much through our screens and so many of our interactions and friendships are mediated by screens that actually to sit in the flesh with someone feels like a really precious opportunity and I know I love it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. And so how can people, so right now Sister Circles is only in London, correct?
1: Yeah, we've had some, we've had some at various locations in the States. Um, there's some in, happening in Scotland very soon, but we are, they're going to be everywhere. Yeah, they're expanding. Okay. Okay. So how can people learn more about,
0: we're, we're going to talk about more stuff. But before I switch gears, I just want people to know how they can find out about joining a Sister cir- um, Story Circle.
1: So the best way to do it is um, to check us out online. So that's sisterstories.co is our okay. website. Um, or find me on Instagram where I talk about sister stories a lot. So that's at Gemma Brady underscore. Um, and I'm looking for people to to start sister story circles in their community. To, so to really start to lead women in their own community, wherever that is in the world. And I'm really open to compassionate, heart-centered women to take take the format and bring it into their own town or city. Awesome. So for everyone listening, I really encourage
0: you to check out Gemma. I know that some of my people have already gotten in touch with Gemma even before this episode aired because I made some personal connections, I believe. But I think that this is just so important because as, and I talked about this before, but you know, we just live in an, we live in the age of loneliness. And I think um, because we're so, connected to our screens and like we go to work and then come home, maybe go to the gym and then come home, like watch Netflix. And like, if you're not in a relationship, you're often doing all of those things by yourself. So it's very easy to look at another couple, or relationship, and be like, well, they're not lonely because they have each other. They can just stay in and watch Netflix together or whatever. But, and and so we think the solution then is just to get a boyfriend or to get a husband or a partner or whatever. And None of that's really true because then it just creates like this really unhealthy, potentially codependent dynamic, um, when you're dating or in relationships. So I just love Gemma that you're creating this because, um, I think we're just so needing like in-person connection and, um, a feeling of, and a sense of community so that, I mean, for just, I think, because we're just social creatures as humans, but also, you know, this is a dating podcast and relationship podcast. So from that perspective, it's just so important so that when you are dating, it's not dating from a place of desperation or neediness, but simply just um, the next chapter of your life of looking for a partner. Um,
1: Can I just say something on that? Because something just sprang to mind when you were uh, sharing Veronica, which um, I really think that well in my experience from watching people be in this space that they're not used to being in where you don't have to perform people learn to just be themselves and be okay mm-hmm. with being themselves and I think you know when you're in a dating space or looking for a relationship sort of almost pra- you know people I've had women say practicing just being myself has been really valuable because I'm so used to putting on a show and I find that really curious Um, how there's that perception that we need to put on a show and actually learning to be more ourselves is a practice in itself. I love that. And I I think that's, um, you
0: know, just reflecting as our mastermind experiences wrapping up for this year. um, I think that's really been a big lesson for me too, on just being and just whatever's coming up is coming up. Like whatever's true in that moment is true in that moment. And Um, if I need to laugh, I can laugh. If I need to cry, I can cry. If I just need to go on a walk, you know, whatever, you know, and then I think for me, like just from a business perspective, like it's really helped me because now I can, I feel more confident and more aligned to show up on my podcast or with a client or on Instagram stories or wherever my head's bobbling around on the internet. Um, just to like, just to be me and I'm not performing. I'm just showing up, sharing what I feel like feel called to share. And that's that. And some people love it. Some people won't love it. And that's totally cool. And, and with with dating, I really see it as a very similar thing. Like you're just showing up as yourself feeling aligned, um, all those kind of things. And some people are going to love it. And then some people aren't. And I think where the, the fault is, or where we a lot of a lot of us make mistakes is trying to get everyone to like us right? Like, I think we do that in friendships. I think we do that in dating. I think we do that in business, but you don't need everyone to like you to find a partner. You don't need everyone to like you to have a really beautiful community. I don't need everyone to like me to have a successful business. And I think that's been a really profound lesson for me just showing up in our circle and the mastermind this year. So thank you for sharing that. So I just want to switch gears a little bit, Gemma, because I know something else that you do is you work with professionals on side creative projects. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about creativity, because I think sometimes people don't think that they're creative or that they have time for creative projects. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about that work you do and, um, you know, what you would want to tell someone who you know, feels like they're not creative or don't have time for a creative project, but maybe have something percolating in the back of their head.
1: I don't even know where to begin with this because I've got so much to say. <laughs> so, um... So I've been working in, tele. you know, I've worked in the television industry for over 10 years and mm-hmm. until probably about two years ago I didn't see myself as creative. I had never seen myself as creative. I thought being creative was about having 10 ideas before breakfast and then, you know, doing an art project at lunchtime and, you know, adorning your house with be- beautiful tapestries that you'd weaved yourself and I had this really specific view of what creativity was. And I remember when I was a child I I said to someone, I said to one of my teachers, "I'm just not a creative person. I need to go and get uh, get an office job or do, get a boring job." I think was the language that I used. So I remember it really vividly because it was a very specific image I had of myself. And somehow, I ended up working in the creative industries, and you know, was creating prolifically every year, um, and really, you know, making lots of films that were winning Emmys and doing really prestigious things, and I still didn't see myself as creative. And I think there was a shift when I realised that being creative, um, there's a spectrum, and one of the key things about creativity is that as much as it is having flashes of inspiration, it's also showing up every day and doing the work. And through doing that and through um, putting one foot in front of the other, to make something I was being we're all inherently creative but I was being a creative person and I get really passionate about encouraging people to see the ways in which they are creative um, with perhaps without even realizing it and I think the key to producing things in the world is just to actually do it to get on and do it and I think that's why the people have the biggest blocks they might have ideas but yeah. they don't happen Yeah. I, I never thought myself as creative. Like I'm like, Oh,
0: super type a, like super, like, you know, math and science were like my favorite subjects. And I was really good at them growing up. And it wasn't until I started my business and I hired my first business slash life coach. And, um, and this was in 2015. And she kept telling me, you know, you're so creative. You're so creative. And I'm like, who is she talking to? Like <laughs> does she knows she's talking to me because <laughs> uh, I'm not creative. <laughs> I don't know what she's thinking. Um, but the, cause I think for me, like I just thought creatives are people who were really good at drawing or painting um, or maybe someone who like wrote music or I don't know, just something who did like something in the fine arts. Like that to me was creativity and everything else was not. And so therefore I wasn't a creative person. And um, for me, at least I feel like, really owning like, Oh yeah, I am a creative person. Cause creative just means like you're creating something and you can create like a business plan. You can create, um, I don't know, like a coaching program you can create. Um, I, I don't know, like you, you know, the stuff better than, better than me, but, um, and I feel like, but for me, I feel like it's really shifted the way I've approached my work. It's like I'm just birthing this into the world. I'm just creating it. Um, and I don't know if there's something about that mindset shift that really has allowed me to step into my role as a coach and a business owner and just also someone just really creating the life that I want to live. And so I'm just kind of curious to hear what you've seen with women that you've worked with or you know, spoken to or, or anything like that around what happened when they just shifted the mindset. I'm like, oh, I'm a creative person.
1: I think the best way to describe it is that stepping into your own creativity and really starting to own your own creativity is a way from taking your life from a two-dimensional life to a three-dimensional life. Mm -hmm. So I find that many, many people... um, not uh, not identifying as creative is almost a way of hiding because it gives you an excuse for why you don't make the things happen that you want to in the world or why you stick with your the job that you don't really like and I don't think that creativity means having to have a big life shift but I do think that what it what it should encourage you to do is to look at the gifts and the talents that you have and to be really to look at them from lots of different angles and think about the different ways in which you can use those particular gifts to do different things so for example in my work you know I've mentioned I do I've done lots of documentary work and that storytelling uh, those storytelling skills that I have learned there I've started projects where I use those skills in four or five different ways, and that's that's my, how my creativity expresses itself. Because it's easy to create when I really focus on the things that I'm good at, and it's much more difficult for me to create when I try to force myself into a place that I feel less um, less inspired, I suppose. So I would I always encourage people to really focus on the things that you're good at, and to really brainstorm the different ways in which they could be used to create something new or to make your life a little bit easier or to experiment with. And I think experimentation is key, not being attached to the outcomes.
0: Yeah. And how do you know, like, because sometimes it's really hard to know what you're good at because you don't necessarily recognize that within yourself because you just like, oh, well, like for me, I'm like, oh, well, like, you know, anyone can create a project plan, (laughs) you know, like, but obviously that's not, true but it took me a long time to realize that so if you feel like you're not even sure what you're good at or maybe even someone has a limiting belief of like they are just not good at anything which obviously isn't true but maybe the story they're telling themselves like how do you begin to find like oh like this is something
1: people don't always like this answer but I often encourage uh, people to interview five loved ones and say what how you know <laughs> ask them how they perceive you so I would go around with my little notepad and go and talk to Grandma Doreen or go and talk to my best friend and really find out what the things that other people perceive about you are because you're right. There's so many things that I do in my life that I just take for granted that everybody can do and, of course, not everybody can. And likewise, there's so many people that I look at who don't consider themselves particularly talented and yet I think they're a blooming genius. So, yeah, <laughs> I, really, I really encourage this, um, this interviewing people technique to get a new perspective on yourself and that's what you're looking for you're
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like what are
0: what are some common blocks people have like okay let's say now we know what we're good at but then there's like trying to find the time or like the motivation or or the motivation or the like well what do I do with this um you know what are some other common blocks that you've heard and how can we begin to get around those
1: The most common block is just getting started with whatever your idea is. and I think the reason that people often have that block is that they feel like whatever they're making or creating or whatever idea they have has to be perfect. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In everything that I've ever done that has had any sort of success, I didn't really know whether it was going to work at the beginning. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just took the first step. And I think people can be really good at like buying a new notebook and buying the new pens and deciding, drawing up a little plan about how they're going to do things and then almost get paralysed before they've started with the fear of what if it's not good enough. And actually, I like to view um, any building, any project like building a wall. You know, so first you really gently lay the foundations then you try a brick one day. And then maybe the next day you try another brick, and slowly over time you build the wall or you weave the tapestry. And it's a really consistent step by step process. I think consistency is key, but consistency without expectation. So you don't need it to be the Mona Lisa. You just need to create to show up, I think. Um, And that account, having an accountability buddy of some kind can be really helpful for that.
0: Totally, totally. And are these things like, as we're talking about this, and I'm sure people have ideas percolating as they're listening, um, are we talking about things that someone would eventually make a side income with, or just for the sake of doing it, or both?
1: Well, I think I think both, to be honest. I really believe in the, um, doing things for just experimentation's sake so sister stories for example was a complete it was a little flash of inspiration I had that I wanted to try out and now it's become a business for me and a really nourishing part of my life but had I gone into the first event imagining that I was setting up a business I think it would have been a disaster because I wouldn't have had the lightness of touch that I had and the lack of expectation and all of the things it was very liberating to do it without any sense of where it was leading so I think that Actually, often for many, many people, things that um, they try just because they want to try and actually don't have any uh, they don't have any desire to turn it into a business then actually sometimes end up being a really good business because it's come from a really genuine place and an inspired place
0: and I can totally see that in your work with sister stories, you know, just like looking through your website and reading all your posts on instagram and and now obviously you're turning it into something bigger than just you know. A simple idea. Um, but I still feel like there's that same touch of like that little lightness that you're talking about, like, oh, I'm gonna just drop this word right here. I'm gonna drop this word right here. So I can totally see that and I appreciate that. Um so what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who feels like they have something creative in them or they're just wanting to nurture their creativity their creativity. Um, but not sure where to start or just feeling a little stuck. That's like one thing you would want to tell them.
1: Set a timer for 30 minutes and just begin. 30 minutes is such an achievable amount of time to do anything. And I think because we have this, often have this notion that we have to sit down for four hours and do lots of work. It can feel daunting. Or we believe that we don't have time. Just make that first step. And then when you've done your next, that your first 30 minutes, the next day, try and do it again with that timer set up a beautiful place in your home if you can to do whatever your little idea is and and carve out that time um and just take that first step because without the first step you don't get anywhere and people hang out for a long time in the idea stage before taking action and it's not it's not an idea if it remains in the ether it's a concrete idea when it gets made into flesh you know into a real tangible thing I love that. I love that. Um, so much good stuff here. So before I let you go, I'm not
0: letting you go quite yet because as we all know, this is a podcast about dating and relationships and um, you met your, are you calling him fiance, partner? I'm not sure no, what the language. Okay. Like I'm him. not sure the language yeah. you're using, um, but you met him through Tinder.
1: Is that correct? I did. I did. Uh, it's a sentence I never thought I would say. Um, yeah. I just, I, I want to share,
0: I just would love for you to share the story because I, I mean, so I I hear you know, like a lot of women obviously reach out to me via email or Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And I could probably like put all the things that people reach out to me in a few different buckets. And one of the buckets definitely is like online dating is terrible. And I always say it's not online dating because honestly, tender is no different than just going to the bar because you're going to swipe right or left everywhere and your, everyone you're looking at in your head. Right. And so it's the mindset or the, or the way we relate to online dating and dating apps and all that kind of stuff. So um, for inspiration, I would love if you would share your story of, of tender romance, tender love
1: into romance he always <laughs> jokes and says actually we met at a royal ball to make it sound much more fancy and pretend that we didn't wait you know you're her. speaking to a royal enthusiast here right I do. <laughs> I do. know you love the you'd love it if we met at a royal, royal ball but sadly no um <laughs> I found online dating so daunting because I had a relationship from the ages of 19 to 27 so you know a really big chunk of my formative years and I remember kind of stumbling out into the world again single after quite a difficult breakup and thinking how on earth am I ever going to meet anyone and I spent I spent on and off probably three or four years online dating to various levels of success and my experience of it would always depend on how I felt about myself so when I wasn't feeling about myself it felt really quite difficult and often quite traumatic and when I felt good about myself I had an amazing time I went out with an astronaut I went out with this amazing um he was doing this guy who was an amazing geneticist you know I had some really interesting experiences are
0: you telling me Prince Harry wasn't on tinder then I'm just kidding. oh
1: he wasn't I'm just so sad (laughs) Prince Harry not on tinder I'm absolutely devastated about that um (laughs) yeah but there were some other good candidates and i had some really fun times um dating but i wasn't getting anywhere and i once counted that i went on almost 100 dates in the time that i was um, in the time that i was online dating and i remember having this period where i thought well i'm just not really not really going to do anything anymore I'm just going to relax and enjoy my life and I'd got to a place in myself where I had started to really feel good in my own skin and started to feel really confident and really happy so I didn't feel like I needed a partner that much but I still had tinder on my phone and occasionally I would look on it and there was a guy who kept messaging me um And I wouldn't really respond because I didn't really like the look of his profile. He looked okay, but like it didn't set me alight. And I sort of thought, "Mm, you're okay. But he was so persistent and really charming about the fact I wasn't responding and quite funny that one day I sort of reluctantly, because I had a few hours to spare, decided to go on a date with him. And as I was walking towards him, I had just had this most insane feeling it was I I mean we literally had a love at first sight experience he'd seen my profile and he said he fell in love with me the first time he saw me and I fell in love with him when I saw him and I thought love at first sight was an absolute load of bollocks I just thought it was (laughs) nonsense and that this didn't happen but we met that day he moved in three months later and you know now we're getting married next year and it's just the most wonderful thing to have happened that I never expected and um, I found someone who just completely accepts me for who I am and there's nothing better and I literally never thought it would happen so I'm so happy that it has And I'm really glad that I persisted with the dating online (laughs) I really am yeah yeah because you meet it's an opportunity to meet tons of people especially
0: I mean for me at least I was more introverted and didn't really care to like go out all the time like that was just really draining and so it was great for me, online dating was, was fantastic. I, that's not how I met Stevie, but I had, I met some really great people, just wasn't the right person. Um, and I just, I love the story because you said he really accepts you for who you are, but it sounds like you really had to do that for yourself first, um, in order to be ready and available for that kind of partnership and that kind of love.
1: I think it's, I think there's something about, um, he once said this to me, actually, he's once said something along the lines of, I just knew that you knew who you were and that you were coming, like I was meeting the real person. So he knew that I wasn't putting on a show for the date. And as I was turning up was the real person, so he felt really comfortable being on this date with me and having that first encounter with me, um, and we all know that it's very attractive when people are sort of comfortable with themselves. And I just, I, after a lot, doing a lot of inner work, you know, I'd done some work on myself to get to that place, but I just felt great. And I didn't need him. I didn't need him, but I really wanted him when he t- showed up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I love that. And just everyone listening, just a reminder that everyone has their own experiences. So some people experience that love at first sight. Yeah. Um, experience. And some people, for me, it wasn't necessarily love at first sight, but I knew that something was going to be different this time because it was really my first time really being just a hundred percent comfortable with where I was in my life and who I was and all that kind of stuff. And for other people, um, gosh, like two years ago, I think I did a inter- interview series on my podcast and I interviewed five different podcasters and how they met their, their partners. And one of those interviewees told me that she strongly disliked her now husband. (laughs) So there's like, you know, everything, any possible scenario. Because a lot of times I think we look for that, I don't know, that Cinderella feeling or something like that. And um, and a lot of times I think we disregard a potentially great match or, um, you know, relationship because of this fairy tale. So I hope Jemma's story inspires you. But remember that everyone has their own experience and just because you don't experience love at first sight doesn't mean that he's not a great person or maybe you're supposed to be with that person at this time and maybe it's not your lifelong soulmate um awesome
1: sorry for telling the story the fairy tale (laughs) I just tell it because I never believed it could ever happen but you,
0: yeah yeah um yeah And, and like I just feel like also there I think there is such thing as like it can feel like a fairy tale but not like in the Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty cuz right like this guy wasn't coming to rescue you right like you didn't need him but you wanted him and there can be a lot of i mean there's a lot of beauty and just amazingness in that uh so thank you for sharing that story and plus like because i love love i love hearing how people met their partners nothing the makes me happier um so before i let you go um let's see, we've already talked about sister stories. So people um, yeah, So people can go to sisterstories.co to um, learn more about sister circles or find a circle and um, essentially lead a circle. And then there's your Instagram, Gemma Brady, and I'll put that um, Gemma Brady underscore, and I'll put that link, all those links in the show notes. Um, any other links or resources that you want to direct my people to?
1: Well, in the spirit of start before you're ready, um, all the creative coaching that I do, I started before I had a website because it takes me ages to build a website and it really stresses me out. So I don't have a website at the moment. I've been doing it for a long time because I, you know, I sort practice what I I try to practice what I preach, which is not to always have everything perfect before you start doing it. So Instagram is the best way to contact me if you're interested in. I help people get those ideas that are in their head out into the world and really hold them accountable to make it happen, but also really give you the support you need to actually bring things to life.
0: Awesome. Yep. So just slide into her DMs and slide
1: into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I learned that. Okay. So I'm watching it just really quick side tangent. I'm watching a show called Younger. It's on Hulu and it's really good because it's about like this 40 something year old woman who pretends to be 20 something. So she, she can get a job because she like got all the workforce and spacing age discrim- discrimination anyways. So, um, and I'm like right in the middle. Cause like, there's like all the 20 somethings in the show who are like the millennials and like Instagramming everything or like Snapchatting everything. And then there's like the 40 something who's trying to pretend like she's a millennial. And so I'm like in the middle, right. Cause I'm like 32. And, and so I can kind of relate to both ends of it. And so that's a phrase that I learned that, has a flirty connotation of like sliding into someone's DMS, um, which I just wanted to share. So that's kind of funny. Um, Anyways. So before I let you go, what's been, uh, or what's your number one um, way to treat yourself?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. You made me wonder when the last time I treated myself was. I think it's a common <laughs> answer, I'm sure, but I just love getting a massage. I really do. It just makes me feel so happy to not have anyone contact me for an hour and just, <laughs> maybe, um, yeah, to do stuff with my body because I spend so much time in my mind like so many of us do to yeah. really get that space It's my favorite way to treat myself.
0: Awesome. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show. This was wonderful. I can't wait for um, everyone to listen and to connect with you and all of those good things. So thank you so much. Thanks so much, my love. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. remember... Remember this, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You aren't broken, you don't need to be fixed, and even if you've never had the relationship you want before, it doesn't mean you can't have it now.